Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan, who is also our resident Oscars betting expert. Last week on this show, he told you the South Korean film and plus 300 underdog Parasite was where the smart money should go. And sure enough, Parasite won Best Picture. John, How did you do it despite not seeing any of the movies? Are you one of those advanced (laughs) analytics guys who doesn't need to watch the games? Uh, And now that Parasite won you all this pretend money, are you going to watch the movie? Uh, Well, you know, sort of the same reason I uh, get teased for watching The Bachelor. It's um, when you watch that show, you're you're for me, I'm kind of reading people and how they interact and how they how they think about things. And I kind of try and learn from that. And in this case, it was not reading people. It was reading movie reviews. And Hmm. as I mentioned last week, every review I read about 1917 and I read a lot of reviews said it was technically flawless, but nobody said they were in love with it. They just said it was a great well-produced, perfectly produced movie. It had everything going for it, but I didn't sense any love, you know? And then with Parasite, uh, the reviews are obviously very good also, but people were saying, I've never seen anything like it. I, I got to see it again. I, I got to tell my friends about it. There was that sort of passion that I would describe. So, uh, you know, with that, I just figured, I think, um, you know, why not vote for the fancy dessert over the properly cooked Brussels sprouts? <laughs> um, now, as the other question, uh, I doubt I'll ever see the movie. No, but um, I will say I'm not that guy who disparages entertainment I've never seen and or right. questions the sanity of people who are addicted to certain forms of entertainment. You know, not even the the people who dress up as furry creatures. Um, I saw that on CSI. <laughs> I saw that on CSI Miami once, so I assume that's still a real thing. Because I think once you go down that rabbit hole, I don't think you're coming back. <laughs> I have no insight whatsoever into uh, the status of the furries, um, but I do. I do like the way. Oh, is that, that the called? I don't know. You uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I seem to know a lot about it. You tipped your hand there. I, think. I saw the same CSI Miami oh, episode. Right. That's it. That's what's happening here. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, your your people reading and emotion reading skills uh, were were tuned in nicely there and uh, helping you make that pick. Um, not to blend our 
opening banter and our news well, uh, but a very minor news item here that's related. Oscars betting in New Jersey was way down from uh, $748,000 last year to $380,000 this year. Maybe a little bit of that had to do with the novelty wearing off uh, and uh, with no Yorgos Lanthimos rumor to chase. Uh, But I think it was mostly a symptom of just what a slam dunk all of the acting categories were. The favorites were were too big to bet. You're not going to lay 50 bucks to win a dollar. And none of the underdogs really had a chance. And of course, no Raskins were nominated for Best Film Editing, which uh, which surely hurt the handle there. Yeah, definitely. The whole Northeast really was kind of impacted by that. <laughs> I think so. Uh, but I, I'm glad Parasite won, uh, both for our bankroll and uh, because it's just a really well-made movie that, uh, should you choose to see it, I think you'll enjoy it. I believe that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 78 of Gamble On, also available in Korean with English subtitles. If you missed any of our previous 77 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud and on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode because you just never know when John Brennan is going to drop one of his Academy Awards whale plays on you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Uh, you know, coming up a little later in the show, we're going to be joined by our colleague and editor-in-chief of Sports Handle. That's Brett Smiley. Uh, he'll discuss some of the latest goings-on in terms of legalization and getting a few of his uh, sports betting takes, too. Uh, this is Brett's third guest appearance on Gamble On. Puts him in pretty rare company. Uh, you know, it's not enough to make him a shoo-in for the Gamble On Hall of Fame, but he's at least assured a spot on the ballot, you know, unless he's getting prompted with a buzzer under his shirt as to whether our <laughs> next question is a fastball or a softball. That would be uh, a big problem. But other than that, um, let's get to the uh, extremely busy news week of the world of gambling and uh, start talking about it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. It's been such a busy news week in our little corner of the world that we're going to tackle five news stories instead of the usual three, though we'll try to get in and out on each of these quickly and keep things moving. We start in Maine, which crammed a year's worth of legalization drama into a single week. As we previously reported, Governor Janet Mills vetoed the package for sports betting and online gaming. But just after we recorded our podcast last week, the state Senate narrowly hit the two-thirds mark required for a veto override voting 20 to 10. Later, it was alleged that Senator Lisa Keim voted yes accidentally, but some experts doubted that claim. It soon became irrelevant, as on Tuesday, the House voted, and the total of 85 to 57 in favor of the override wasn't enough. They needed 10 more votes. So now sports betting is dead in Maine, possibly until 2022. John, what do you make of all of this? Uh, It's been reported that Penn National lobbied against the bill because it would have easily let the DraftKingses and FanDuels of the world in. But if so, did they cut off their nose to spite their face here? Well, I'm just sort of heartened this wasn't a completely boring partisan vote. I mean, the mm-hmm. legislators were all over the place. Uh, it didn't right. even seem to – party didn't even seem to matter. So then again, why were they all over the place? Um, that's a good question. Uh, and I'm surprised the lobbying was so intense here, or, or maybe I should say it was so obvious, really. Um, you know, I think some of these main legislators, they, they just want to see how that exclusive de- DraftKings betting offering via the New Hampshire lottery works out next door. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just underway now, and I think they – kind of want to see if that works and maybe they'll try that and uh you know you could see overall um there was no even though there was a consensus in favor um it wasn't overwhelming and the governor didn't like it so um they're not ready yet and 2022 is about right okay um yeah I, i'm trying to decide how disappointed to be 
by this uh, news. On the one hand, hey, it's it's only Maine. Uh, it's not like this was New York or California or, or even Michigan uh, that was on the doorstep. Just in terms of the overall sports betting and online gaming business nationally, I would say the impact here is minimal. Um, but on the other hand, man, they were so close. And uh, I guess there's a lesson here about working on your bills and making sure all parties are on board and compromising fully before pushing it through. Uh, This tethering issue is a big one, and the casino lobby presumably was the main factor standing in the way of this, and it's all a big window into the messiness of politics, Uh, but it really does stink for the people in Maine who just want to be able to bet on sports legally without driving to New Hampshire, Um, and it also uh, stinks for Maine citizens if they eventually get a law that limits the number of competitors in the state. If you're a sports better there, you want DraftKings, FanDuel, points bet, et cetera. You, you want all the options. Yeah, but in, in the grand scheme of things, as you said, uh, I'm not going to remember Maine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> going, going back to that joke. I like it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Moving from negative legislative news to potentially positive legislative news, two separate sports betting bills were passed in Virginia on Monday, one in the House and one in the Senate. And the bills are similar, but one key difference is that one allows in-state college betting and one doesn't. Uh, the tax rates are close. One is 15 percent, one is 20 percent. And the bills vary, but only slightly in how many mobile licenses there will be. There seems to be optimism that the details will get sorted out and something will land on Governor Ralph Northam's desk before the session is over. John, how strong a candidate is Virginia to legalize sports betting this year? Well, yeah, speaking of surprises, this one looks pretty good, actually. You know, Virginia, North Carolina, Maryland, nobody seems to eager to take the lead. You know, North mm. Carolina is going to have two casinos with sports betting about 300 miles west of the where the people live in the state. So <laughs> right. uh, they've got New York beat by a mile on that one, by the way. <laughs> and um, <laughs> by, by literally one mile. Well, I play about 150 miles. Actually, okay. Yeah. So, uh, and I mentioned last week the national rollout now seems to be states without wildly popular college athletic programs like New Jersey, sorry, Rutgers, um, New Hampshire, Delaware. You know, they go against college betting, and the ones with big time programs, they they're increasingly going for it. Um, so it feels like the legislators collectively kind of have a gut instinct against, but then the revenue in some states is too good to pass up, and uh, Virginia's one that I think uh, uh, they'll wind up uh, allowing college sports betting to. Hmm. I don't have a whole lot of my own analysis to add, but I will pass along some information from Jill Dorson's excellent article on this subject on Sports Handle. Uh, she spoke to Delegate Mark Sickles, who, who told her, quote, it's just got to go to conference. The Senate bill will go to the House and we will reject it and send it back or put my bill on top of it and send it back. They'll do the same and then we'll call for a conference. It will be easy, end quote. Uh, it's funny how most of that sentence didn't wouldn't have led me to it will be easy. But uh, but if he says so. Uh, Uh, And Jill notes that the General Assembly has only three more weeks to sort things out, and the goal is to get a bill on Governor Northam's desk in that time. Sources tell Jill it's likely that the governor would sign. So, uh, yeah, I'd say it's looking positive in Virginia, but we should know one way or the other in the next few weeks. All right. The third state we're analyzing this week is Kentucky, and it's looking like we're headed for another Maine style downer there. A week ago, a bill covering sports betting as well as online poker was gaining steam in the House and Senate with Governor Andy Bashir near certain to sign whatever came his way. But on Tuesday, a flurry of amendments were introduced on the House floor that seemed designed to blow up the bill. One might require extensive geofencing. Another amendment would allow betting kiosks at restaurants, bars, and lottery retailers. And the big one involves raising the tax rates from the 10 to 15% range, 
way up to the 30 to 40 percent neighborhood. One report in Kentucky indicates Republican legislators just don't want the new Democratic governor to pass something and score a win. John, do you see any reason to remain optimistic about Kentucky sports betting in 2020? Well, I, I definitely buy into that last point. I mean, it does sound like classic politics. You you don't give the new kid from the other party a notch on his belt, um, unfortunately. Uh, they do seem down there to have agreed, uh, speaking of the college uh, uh, betting allowed, that um, they are going to go for that, which, again, with Kentucky and Louisville programs, there's no way you're going to uh, right. legalize sports betting and not allow it. Um, so, you know, this situation isn't pretty, and I'm a little bit on the downer side, but it doesn't feel corrupt. It just feels like politics as usual. Yeah, and I, I should note uh, my personal political preferences are no secret. Uh, uh, but nationally, with sports betting, you know, there are people on both sides of the aisle getting in the way of gaming expansion in, in different states. For right. example, we talked about Maine. The governor there is a Democrat. That said, pretty hard not to point fingers at the Republicans on this one in Kentucky. I'm not sure what to say about this that I didn't already say about Maine. It's it's a shame to deny the citizens access and to deny the state government some tax dollars, even if it's not a lot of tax dollars. Every bit helps. Uh, but if the reports are true that it's about denying Bashir a win during an election year, I guess it's on to 2021 for Kentucky. And uh, Kentucky's legislative session ends in April, by the way. Mm hmm. Uh, as the months have passed, we've slowed down on feeling like we need to report on and analyze every little industry deal. Uh, but this latest one is significant enough to report as William Hill U.S. and CBS Sports announced a strategic partnership on Monday. This follows other deals between gaming companies and media companies such as Penn National and Barstool Sports and the Stars Group and Fox. And the timing seems strong for William Hill to be able to get its brand out there as CBS is televising March Madness games. Basically, it seems William Hill is paying for the exposure CBS can provide, and William Hill's stock did go up following the announcement. Uh, John, William Hill is a player in online betting in the U.S., but it hasn't been a big player so far. How far does this deal go toward changing that? Yeah, we've been wondering for probably close to a year when William Hill, I mean, they're the biggest bookmaker in Las Vegas. Um, when would they get in the game? And um, I, yeah, I like the fit. I mean, partly because I'm not noticing a lot of big dance partners left out there for either. So uh, it was smart business. And you say the timing is phenomenal. Uh, March Madness is going to, you're going to be beaten over the head a hundred times by the William Hill CBS partnership. And uh, that's good for both of them. Um, I do, I do kind of ascribe to, there's an industry sentiment now that, you know, look, all these mega deals are sexy and wow, this huge company, this huge company, you know, they can't all be winners. And uh, I, I agree with that. So um, everybody's kind of almost got their, their partner down and they're going to jump forward now, but they're not all going to finish in first place. Yeah. One thing to just uh, note here is that uh, Matt Rybaltowski wrote in his article that a full rollout is planned for the fantasy football season. Uh, so uh, so only kind of a partial rollout, maybe in time for March Madness, yeah. but maybe fantasy football is really the big target. Um, yeah. uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, being partnered with CBS is good for William Hill's branding, but uh, as you said, uh, not everybody can can be the big winner. And so I, I keep coming back to the example uh, that having Fox bet promoted on Fox, at least in, in this first season of hu having that huge advantage, it didn't make Fox bet one of the top sites in the states in which it operates. So, you know, maybe these media deals will show their value in the long run. Maybe some will have more value than others. Uh, or maybe there's just no competing short term or long term with FanDuel and DraftKings and having those gigantic player databases. Yeah, I mean, uh, ABC, their first XFL game, had the point spread and the over-under on the main screen the entire game. Yep. And then I watched a little bit of the game on Fox, and I didn't notice anything about Fox bet. Hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, well, you watched uh, you watched a lot more XFL than I did, so I'll take. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch a lot, but that's what I said. <laughs> All right. Our final story this week concerns John's home state of New Jersey, where the January revenue report is out, and most of the news is normal. Five hundred forty point one million dollars in sports betting handle, FanDuel number one, and DraftKings number two. Eighty-seven percent of bets made online. But what isn't normal is the sports betting revenue, a record $53.6 million, about double what you might expect. It turns out, though, uh, that that might be a very deceiving figure. The Super Bowl was on February 2nd, and that revenue figure includes the money taken in on the Super Bowl through Friday, January 31st, without reflecting any of the Super Bowl winnings that would be paid out two days later. John, I'll let you delve into what Captain Jack Andrews told you about that. Uh, And I'll ask, do you expect February to be the first ever losing month for the New Jersey sportsbooks? Well, yeah, one of the things I learned is that hardly anybody bets on the Super Bowl on Monday and Tuesday before the game. But a lot of people, more than I had expected, bet Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So having February 2nd for the date made a big difference versus, say, February 5th, 6th, or 7th. And that's why – so the New Jersey books get revenue on all of the bets because they didn't give out any money back yet. So that's why that number is so deceiving. And – yeah, we know the books lost more than four million on the big game itself, so right. that's a that's a, that's pretty scary too. But you know, Captain Jack points out that there's a similar beating for the Jersey books last year, and uh, they still didn't have a losing month in February. And he said maybe they can do that again, but I'm going to say the under. I, I think they're going to have a losing month for the first time ever in February. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's not forget that we will have uh, plenty of XFL in February. Uh, so you know that that should make up for any Super Bowl <laughs> losses, right? Um, Are there a lot of sharps on that? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, well, the, you're you're talking talking to one now we'll get to That's that true. more when we when we get to the bankroll segment but um now the xfl is for what it's worth apparently doing much better handle wise oh, yeah. than aaf did at least um in uh in separate new jersey revenue news uh I noticed 53 and a quarter million dollars in online casino win in January. That's the mm-hmm. casino games, not counting the poker, um, yep. which was up from 31.71 million the previous January. That is an enormous leap. Online sports betting, bringing people over to online casino is just a massive story that's maybe a bit underreported. Um, so even if the sports books do have a slight losing month in February, they'll more than make up for it with winners dumping their money back on uh, slots, roulette, etc. Yeah, every state that's considering mobile sports betting, and not all of them are, that doesn't also consider mobile casino gaming, if they're looking for revenue, is crazy. Now, they might think, oh, the casinos make too much money on those games, and I don't want our, our residents to, to lose that much money. Okay, right. that's fine. But if you're looking for the revenue, you have to also allow this one, because the, uh, the, the the crossover there with DraftKings uh, and Resorts Digital, it's, uh, it's tremendous, and um, yeah, that's where the money is. Yep. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. When we asked this week's guest to appear on this episode of the podcast for what will be his third Gamble On appearance, he asked if he gets the gold jacket or green jacket now. The answer is no, we don't have that kind of budget, but we will send him an iron-on gamble-on patch that he can affix to one of his existing jackets. Anyway, it's our pleasure to welcome back the editor-in-chief and co-founder of Sports Handle, our friend Brett Smiley. Brett, thanks for joining us this week on Gamble On. Happy to be here, guys, and I, and I want to make it clear to, uh, to viewers as well that my uh, third appearance comes with an asterisk because I don't think I've ever been the plan A. Uh, but plan B or plan C, happy to serve in that role, though. 
I think the first time you might have been a plan A, but uh, but yeah, on all subsequent appearances, you've always been sort of the backup plan, but uh, always an entertaining and informative backup plan. Uh, so you got that going for you. So we're only about six weeks into the new year, and we've seen some serious drama already in terms of sports betting legalization in a few states. What do you consider the most interesting or surprising development so far in 2020? Is it everything happening in Maine? Is it the continued hashing out of the rules in Tennessee? Is it the mere fact that there's some small degree of talks going on in California? Something else? Uh, it, feels, it feels like we're a year into, uh, into the new year. Um, <laughs> those are all good ones that, that you flagged. I think they're, they're worth noting, uh, at least briefly. Uh, Maine, for anyone who has been following, they passed a bill that was quite nice for consumers at the end of 2019. And then the governor uh, sat on it and then vetoed it at the top of the year. And then the, I believe it was the Senate, they tried, they attempted a veto override and barely got it with a two-thirds vote. And then the governor worked the phones and then um, the House did not get to the requisite two-thirds. So uh, it might be a year or two. Obviously, a lot of people are, are frustrated with that. And uh, so, yeah, that was certainly a unique situation. I don't think we see the fail veto override in, in, uh, in any of these states. You know, there's been ballot referendums that have gotten the, the job done, as in Colorado. Um, some states were grandfathered in. Maine was a peculiar situation. And um, we may as well point fingers. It seems the, uh, the casino lobby, in particular Penn National, mm. was responsible for, <clears throat> for getting this acts because the bill that would have benefited consumers, it would have been a wide open mobile market. So the casinos would not have been able to control the flow and, and charge an access fee. Anyone could have come on board. And obviously that's not, it's more lucrative for them to uh, be able to have that control. So sorry, Maine, lovely state, but uh, your governor was, uh, was swayed. Right. So, so you'd say that's kind of the one that, that stands out most so far during this uh, year, year long six weeks uh, that we've experienced. For the sheer drama, yes. The Tennessee is definitely interesting because that's a state that I don't think anyone expected to legalize last year. They're, they've begun the process of crafting the regulations. There's a lot of concern about that. They have a, a Supreme Court-esque sports wager and advisory council of nine people, uh, the influence of which may be... Uh, limited because uh, the lottery, the Tennessee lottery um, seems to be driving this thing. So we don't know yet whether, you know, they'll have a, a, a single sports book like New Hampshire does with DraftKings or whether it'll be, you know, something like New Jersey where, where I reside and we have plenty of options. Right. Uh, Brett, I want to focus, uh, you know, all three of us uh, are always looking at which state is next, which state is on the edge. Uh, I kind of want to go the bizarro way and uh, what's last. So California, Florida, Texas, the three states, they haven't gotten anywhere. So which one moves forward last? Which one moves second? Which one moves first? And finally, uh, which states don't have sports betting in 10 years even? Hmm. Uh, I like the reversal. Wait, so we're going with uh, the large electoral vote states, California, Texas, and Florida? Yep. I'll say yeah. Texas last, just because at least in uh, the other two states, there has been, the legislators been involved, the tribes are at least pulling in one direction, of course, their own. Uh, Texas is obviously a very conservative state. There may have been one lone wolf congressperson there who, who said, hey, let's do something, but there's no reason at this time to think that there'll be any traction. But it's a shame because uh, one of one of our extended colleagues, Matt Schmidow, who mostly works for Roto Grinders, he uh, Texas Tech student, and he wrote a pretty in-depth piece about 
the amount of business that local bookies there are doing in connection with uh, paper head sites in the Caribbean. So, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe in five years, Texas will come around. It's these things are hard to predict, but uh, I'll say the over at four even years. All right, who gets in first, California or Florida? Oh, and then, uh, who is uh, in the round in 10 years on sports betting? Whew. Well, there, I mean, there are similar situations, California and, and Florida, where I, the Seminole Tribe has a lot of sway in, in Florida. So does Disney. Uh, their legislator seems a little more vote, motivated and uh, willing to step toe-to-toe with the Seminoles. Uh, I'll lean... I'll lean California. Maybe it's a tribal-only bill, but maybe that's just a start. And then not in 10 years, Utah. They don't even have a lottery. <laughs> and yeah, Bri- yeah. Our colleague Brian Pempis picked me, pinged me this morning. Alaska now is a bill on the table, so they're out. Yeah, I'd, I'd say U- Utah to be last and, and or never is, uh, is, a, is a pretty safe bet. Um, so uh, we, we've been talking a bit about uh, what's going on at the start of 2020 and what's, uh, what's to come in the years ahead. Let's go back a tiny bit to the end of 2019. Uh, the three of us, uh, along with three other co-workers, went in together on an entry in the New Jersey DraftKings Super Pool contest. We did extremely well, getting 65.7% of our picks right which was good enough to cash, but not good enough to win big. We only got about three and a half times our buy-in. Looking back, Brett, any frustration over how sharp the contest was? Anything DraftKings should have done differently? And would you play it again next year? Let me note off the top before he points it out that I owe Brennan 50 bucks. Uh, (laughs) I I, I thought I was going to see him at some point to give him the cheddar, but uh, I have his address, so that check will be in the mail soon. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was a, it was fun. It was uh, it started week four for you know for people outside of New Jersey. I don't know what the delay was, but the uh, it was seventy games against spread. It was similar to the Super Contest. You could pick zero one week or fifteen the next. Uh, our method was certainly haphazard. It uh, everybody submitted their their two favorite, and uh, you know we we changed them up until uh, twelve fifty nine p.m. But we were successful. It, it was fun. It was obviously just disappointing. We tried to project where we might finish. Uh, uh, what did we end up getting to, to split? Like $2,000 or something? Uh, I think it was even less than that. I'm trying oh, to Oh, yeah. It was, it was like 11 or, 11 or 1200 somewhere, Yeah, somewhere in that range. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think that it would take 72% or 73% that, to finish in the top. It, it, was, it was hard to track, too, because some people – used all their picks by week 15. The one thing I was changed, I didn't like the tiebreaker. In fact, the tiebreaker determined who got the, I don't think the top prize was a million, maybe 250,000. Yeah, that sounds right. The tiebreaker they used was Mm -hmm. whoever was leading after or at week 15 or maybe at week 16. It it was basically that the, the tied places had the same number correct. So it was ever, whoever got their last correct, their last win first basically was what the tiebreaker was yeah yeah so that's that seems a fairly inequitable uh tiebreaker there's got to be some other way to do it i i can't think of one off the top of my head maybe i don't know whoever performed best in the final four weeks but something different because that just rewards people for using all their picks earlier but it was fun there's a little bit of controversy at the end it was fun arguing over um our picks and then torturing ourselves for uh, not listening to Brennan in certain <laughs> circumstances. And yes, I would do it again. Okay. 
That sounds good. So, uh, yeah, we missed Alex at the uh, Super Bowl party in uh, Nashville with our Roto Grinders friends and some other familiar names. And, uh, you know, our colleague Brian Pempis made a stir with uh, his repeated rides on the mechanical bull, and he has the uh, palms to prove it. So, uh, I imagine your Super Bowl efforts were a little more uh, date than that. Yeah, I, um, I actually had not heard about Pempis and bull riding. He's <laughs> from Kentucky. I don't know how much experience he has there uh, in or outside a bar, but that's. Uh, that's interesting. It's probably smart you guys didn't do axe throwing. Uh, I, uh, I fortunately, unfortunately, won't ever be at the Super Bowl parties. I have a running get-together with uh, five old friends, including my brother. It's called Manifestivus, which is a playoff festivus, yes. And uh, we go to a different casino recently in New Jersey because they have legal sports betting. And it's um, fortunately, most of us have, uh, have wives who understand that this is uh, – a thing that we do from Friday through Sunday. It's a pretty substantial amount of gambling and drinking and, um, and eating and making fun of each other. And uh, it's a nice tradition that we have. All right. And how about the game itself, Brett? How did the Chiefs or make any big wins there? I did have the Chiefs. I give my brother credit for, uh, for having the foresight. It was when <clears throat> Mahomes was still coming back from uh, that dislocated knee we uh on bet mgm we saw the chiefs at eight to one around week week 14 so put about five to ten units on that <clears throat> obviously come kickoff they were minus 120 in the money line so that worked out nicely for us uh but yeah we did pretty well it was uh, there was not a lot of smiles in the uh, hotel suite until uh, about halfway through the, the fourth quarter but our biggest positions were second half to have more scoring than the first half which was minus 110, which was great. Last year it was minus 140. Uh, and points bet, they had these, like, scoring bands. We, um, our theory of the game was that Kansas City was going to score not easily, but that San Francisco defense was overrated. Uh, but the bet was over 25 and a half, or 24 and a half. So, obviously, that was grim when they, uh, of course, scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So, that worked out well. And uh, even got Mahomes' first touchdown – he ran that one in. That was 20 to one second half over 26 and a half. So things really turned. Um, and then uh, what was it? Damian Williams is his name, man. They, right. did, they were just trying to kill the clock. And then he sprints up the, uh, the sideline to give us that over 24 and a half. And I think I blacked out or we all did uh, <laughs> celebrating because I guess he could have taken a knee at that time. Anyhow, he right. got in the end zone and it was, uh, it was a celebration. It, it's still, it was kind of surreal. Well, congratulations on the wins, and uh, always great uh, talking to you, Brett. Anything coming up soon on Sports Handle that people should be on the lookout for? Oh, man. Well, it's until we get out of these legislative sessions, it's kind of just whiplash across the U.S., so I can't even, uh, can't even think of much off the top of my head. But March Madness is, is coming, and maybe I'll have another um, strategy thing. Uh, that's always fun. I really enjoy March Madness. Right. All right. Well, hopefully you'll uh, do as well there as you did with the Super Bowl. Uh, thanks again for coming on uh, on the podcast, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be sure to use you as a Plan B or Plan C again soon. I'm sure. I embrace that role, and it's good being with you guys. All right. Thanks, Brett. Two men, Two men. ten thousand dollars. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Wow. 
I contributed nothing positive or negative to the bankroll this week, as all of my bets were futures bets, uh, though the Houston Roughnecks, that's Roughnecks, XFL title bet uh, is off to a promising start. Uh, But uh, John had three bets come in and decidedly positive results overall. His long shot 40 to one bet on Jordan Spieth to win last week's golf event lost $25, but we won $94 on his bet for Spieth to finish in the top 20. And John's big win, as we already discussed, came at the Academy Awards, where he took plus 300 underdog Parasite to win Best Picture for $100 and profited $300 when the South Korean film upset 1917. So add it all up, and we profited $369 this week, meaning we're back in the black by right. 84 bucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we also have $1,065 on hold in futures bets, leaving us with $9,019 available to bet this week. And you're up first, John. Yeah, well, last week I kind of announced that I was going to take the XFL's defenders, giving only seven points. And I felt good after the line rose to nine and a half points, and they covered both. But instead I called an audible, and I uh, I dropped out of that one and went for Jordan Spieth bets. Um Honestly, we got very lucky there. Um, hmm. Spieth barely made the 54-hole cut, so he went out on the back nine first on Sunday, which happened to have less wind. Um, so as Pebble Beach just ripped many players to shreds in the late afternoon, Spieth was on the front nine, which is easy to finish up. So he had the low score of the day, got a top 10 slot. So um, Spieth lovers, uh, it's a bit wind-aided, so don't get too excited there. Hmm. So for this week, my pick instead for the tour event at Riviera uh, in California this week, uh, Adam Scott, top 20, 100 to win 125. Um, the smooth Aussie won his last event and he took a month or two off, but he says this is his favorite U.S. course and the results back it up over the years. Uh, it's a strategic thinking man's course and Scott, he understands it so well and very confident there. All right. Uh, so many gamblers complain about their bad beats. Uh, don't mention their good beats. Uh, so good for you for at All least right. uh, manning up and saying we got a little lucky with speed. We did. <laughs> All right. My first bet this week is going to be a gut pick rather than some carefully calculated wager. I like Davis Bertans of the Washington Wizards to win the three-point contest on NBA All-Star Saturday. He's plus 460 and plus 500 at some books, but I found a little extra value at points bet where he's plus 550. In his first season in Washington, Bertans is shooting a ridiculous 42.4% from three, which is actually down from his 42.9% last season for San Antonio. But I'm mostly making this pick because I happened to watch one game this season where he went absolutely nuts against my Sixers, scoring 22 points in the first half on eight for eight shooting, including six for six from beyond the arc. Uh, So I know he's a very good outside shooter who's capable of locking in and getting red hot. That's good enough for me, at least for a modest size bet. Let's risk $50 to win 275 on Bertans. All right. Uh, speaking of that weekend, um, look, it's, it's let's face it, it's the Kobe Bryant Memorial All-Star Game, and there's going to be plenty of motion out there. And um, who wins the MVP often is not at all happenstance. Um, in this case, I just think the other All-Stars take a back seat, given the circumstances, and they make way for their leader. And the leader for all of them is LeBron James. So on Foxbet, I can get him at, uh, for, at 50 uh, at plus 425. All right, so you're betting 50 bucks there. Yep. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I like that a lot. And also, if you just look at the rosters for the respective teams, LeBron drafted a lot smarter than Giannis did. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, there's a strong likelihood that his team will win, which, of course, the MVP almost always comes from the winning team. Um, so uh, if you are America's leading Oscars betting expert, uh, I am this nation's top XFL better right now. Uh, in real life, not only did I get that Roughnecks title bet down, but I made two other bets last week. New York Guardians plus three and a half and the under in the fourth and final game of the week and both won easily. 
And uh, like you with the Best Picture nominees, I've barely watched a second of XFL football, uh, (laughs) but that won't stop me from firing another dart. Some books have the Guardians as five and a half point underdogs at the DC Defenders, but I found them on FanDuel at plus six and a half and only a minus 105 VIG. And this is the Guardians team that crushed the preseason favorite Tampa Bay Vipers 23 to three in week one. They're giving me a lot of points and I'm taking them. Let's bet $105 to win 100. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, potential future Gamble On Hall of Famer, Brett Smiley. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, please take us out. Well, Eric, you know, we all know what the worst traditional Valentine's Day gifts are, right? The toaster, the vacuum cleaner, um, (laughs) the all-day maid service that you think will be taken as a considerate gesture to make your loved one's life easier, but instead is taken as a sign you think they're a slob. (laughs) So uh, now on this first Valentine's Day with legal gambling in a number of states, um, there's a new opportunity for a terrible gift, and that would be the futures bet, Eric. Um, (laughs) So you think the fact that your alma mater uh, of your loved one is a lock for March Madness, so $20 bet at 15 to 1 gives the loved one ample reason to watch the tournament with you, right? Um, Newsflash, if they haven't watched any games in the last couple of years, uh, that futures bet ticket, even if tastefully framed, is not going to change that behavior. So this is not the time to gamble, kids. Uh, Think flowers, chocolates, a promise to watch that particular new movie together that they would never imagine you would agree to watch. Uh, Go for that. But for the love of God and all that is holy, not a futures bet. And with that advice, until next time, gamble on.